0: AFL returned last Thursday, and after only one round... The world is already ending. The bump is dead. The draw needs to go as well and Ross the boss is back but has he answered all of the Saints prayers? Can the Cats get it done or do they have a hangover as big as someone after an Ed Sheeran concert? Richmond players, have you ever been on a plane before? Can I get out to the Adelaide Oval and still know where to go? Does anyone care if football is being played in Brisbane this week with two NRL derbies on and of course will Fife be let off in the midfield? If round one's anything to go by, this will be one of the wildest and hardest to predict seasons in recent memory. And here with me to decipher what might happen this week is the super coach himself, the Sad Hawk, mm. BG. Yes. How's your week? How's your, how's your week of recovery?
1: Not too bad. I've stayed away from social media a bit and just the general media in general. Uh, I know that the tanking calls are already coming out after one round of footy, um, on footy classified last night, but... A week is a long time in football,
0: and I think we could be in for a few shocks this weekend, Gordo. Absolutely. And just like that, you know, there's a lot of overreaction. You know, as I said, is the bump dead? Is grass green? Uh, you know, can <laughs> yes you, to can both you, of those can questions. You, can you take a, a flag to a game? There's been lots of news, and we're going to avoid it all yes. because if you want to catch up with the news, just read the plain old news in the Footy Live app and mm-hmm. just take in the facts and, you know, make of it what you will because. We have nothing to add. It hasn't already been said, and a lot of it was nonsense to begin with. What is not nonsense is good, old-fashioned, honest football games, and they start tonight. Mm -hmm. But we're going to break down our preview into our must-watch, our most at stake, and our clubs as well. We've got to talk about our clubs, regardless of who they play each and every week. So what is your first must-watch game this week? Um, Must-watch,
1: I've got lines and Ds. I think this is a big one for, for both clubs. Obviously, two teams we expect to finish in the top four and have done so over the last handful of years. But um, this is a big one for the Lions, Gordo, obviously. Coming off that bad loss last week in Adelaide, it was not just a bad loss. It was historically bad. We did not see this coming from Brisbane's end. Um I think they recorded just just over 260 disposals as a team last week. That is the fewest of any team since 2013. So, that's including all the awful North Melbourne teams of the past and St. Kilda, et cetera. Um, and it was also their lowest as a team... Uh, Yeah, as a club since 2005. So um, a big response is expected at the Gabba on Friday night. And obviously they're going up against Melbourne, who just blew uh, the Bulldogs away last week um, without the likes of Stephen May and their team, Salem, Viney, Fritch, who all are expected to be um, coming back into the team tonight when teams are announced. So... Big test for the Lions, um, and even bigger test for the D's because if they do win this Gordo, uh, they will rocket to premiership favouritism after just two rounds. But yeah, I'm expecting Brisbane to bounce back this week. Their clearances last week were the worst by any team. Um, They recorded a low, a record low in contested possessions since 2018. Um, this is unlike their midfield with the likes of Lockie Neal, Dunkley being thrown in there, Ashcroft. The, these guys have been spoken about all preseason and offseason. Um, and even though Dunkley was quite good in that game, he was the leader for the Lions in contested possessions. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a few of their midfielders just to stand up and, um, and bounce back. And last year at the Gabba as well, it might be worth mentioning, They averaged 101 points at the last season, So, obviously, they love playing there. We expect them to win more games than not over at the Den. Um, But their lowest score last season did come against Melbourne, and that was 57 points. So, watch this space on that one. But I'm expecting a Brisbane bounce back.
0: Yeah, I'm in the camp here that sometimes in round one, Weird stuff happens. And obviously Chris Fagan in the press conference afterwards couldn't explain why they played so poorly in that second half because they were in the game for the first half and then obviously they faded away. So, you know, they're historically bad numbers. They're numbers that so bad they don't befit the squad. So off a one-off sample you can call an aberration yeah. and, you know, not even like a bounce back, just a, a regression back to their normal normal mean would help them, mm-hmm. you know, in this situation. And on the flip side, how much of Melbourne's you know dominating performance against the Dogs was because they played the Dogs and the Dogs were really poor themselves? So yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, if you go off that one week sample, it's going to be you know really tricky to to take anything seriously from the numbers we saw last week. And, and then you look at Melbourne and you go, you know, what was the biggest question mark that Melbourne had? Well, the Gordon Granny combination. On paper, obviously, it worked. Playing against a super tall team like the Dogs, Grundy spent fifty-two percent of the game as a forward. On his debut, and he kicked one goal. Does that work if Brisbane are on, on form? Yeah. If Brisbane's, you know, can work out their back seven, if Brisbane can show any amount of intent, any amount of defensive integrity, any amount of, you know, uh, ability to to win contested ball, to get any possession, and force Grundy to be accountable you know, as a a forward-playing pressure, does that somehow, like, get them into the game and and kind of show that maybe this dual-rock combo for Melbourne might be a bit of a risk? So with that all being said, you know, you're expecting a bounce back. Is the bounce back going to be enough for them to win on Friday night?
1: Well, again, I I think so. I I think there's still, as you said, there's a lot to learn still about the Ds, I think, as well. Um, It's hard to go off that round one game. Um, because of how bad the Bulldogs were, as you said, but um, yeah, I, I think in preseason I, s- I spoke about how um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that ruck combo works with Gorn and Grundy, but um, yeah, with with those three talls up forward, one of the ruckmen with Ben Brown and Tom McDonald, um, I'm, I'm still not sure, and and obviously Cosy Pickett won't be there too, so they lose that forward pressure, they lose that a bit that bit of pace, um. Yeah, I, I think could be interesting just to just to see um a different side of the D's um when they might be yeah challenged on field a bit. They'll they'll be put on the back foot early, obviously the game being played at the GABA. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm still backing the lines in to
0: get the win. I'll be picking the uh, the lions too. I don't think you can take much uh, from yeah, from that game. The only concern I have is that round twenty-three performance, and again, that's in the back half of the year. So you know, Brisbane did get the win at the MCG. They traded some away wins in the back half of last season. So I know history suggests that they're very close teams, and then history also suggests that very close teams give one of them a home ground advantage in the middle of the year during your home and away, and you probably should back in the mm-hmm. home team, and that's what we both will be doing. Uh, my must-watch game is what I think will be potentially a good old-fashioned shootout. The yeah. Battle of the Prison Bars, Collingwood and Port Adelaide at the MCG, prime time, daytime, Saturday afternoon, not much better than heading to the G on a Saturday afternoon. Now, you know, after last week's performance, they, they Collingwood smashed along in the end, and so therefore are got to win the premiership, and so this, this should be an absolute shellacking. That being <laughs> said, Port Adelaide, who also played at home, Absolutely dominated um, the Lions as well. So we got two teams coming in hot, two teams probably overperforming on expectation for what we expected of them in round one. And uh, two teams whose fan bases love to get way too far ahead of themselves, and mm-hmm. just are uh, totally two of the most hated fan bases <laughs> yes. in the whole competition. Glad you said that. On so, me. Uh, well, it's just true, you know. I think <laughs> they they hate each other as well. So it's just making for a perfect boiling point of uh, of calamity and cacophony and everything we love to see on a Saturday afternoon. Now, where's your angle here, though? Do we do we buy into any of those? Any of those numbers that we saw last week, any of those performances, or they, you know, is it a bit of round one weirdness that we witnessed last week?
1: No, I, I think what we saw from Collingwood, especially, um, I, I think we can trust the style of play. Uh, yeah, the style of game they play. I think, we, we, yeah, with Collingwood, they, they take risks, they run with the ball, they run in numbers, they they swarm to the forward line when they bounce off half back. It's a beautiful game to watch. I think, uh, like we touched on on the podcast earlier in the week, they are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the competition. And credit to Port Adelaide. uh, We just touched on the lines there, but um, they absolutely killed Brisbane last week. Again, winning the ball out of the centre, playing that hard and fast football. Again, you know that game's going to be put up to the test against a much more seasoned side in Collingwood, who have been playing this hard, fast-running football for you know a good twelve months now. But um, yeah, again, I think it's it's Collingwood's game to lose this, playing at home in front of the uh, at the MCG in front of their fans. Um, should be a sunny afternoon, so it should suit their game style. And yeah, with the way Collingwood just play with their um yeah i mean they're so brave
0: on the ball i can't see him losing this one so the one thing i um missed or didn't actually hear much of in the media this week was obviously Collingwood's been talking about their aggressive ball movement. They take risks. Mm-hmm. But also, care of a champion, Dutta, they only concede a score from 5% of turnovers in their attacking midfield. So when they make mistakes, they actually are structured up to protect those mistakes as well. Yeah. So it's not as risky as what maybe we think it is when they're, when they're taking those kicks because their defensive integrity is there to protect them if they do turn the ball over, which is something interesting that I found out in the, the last couple of hours. Why I reckon this game will be a lot closer than the Geelong game is that Port Adelaide tackling efficiency was number one in the competition last year. They obviously backed it up last week, but the lines didn't really show up. Um, so 67% tackling efficiency, by far the best in the competition. Last week against Geelong, Collingwood, despite their dominance, also out-tackled the Cats as well. So that was one of the reasons why they had such ability to maintain momentum. Mm. I don't think they'll get that this week against Port. That being said, I agree with you. And like we said for the other game, you know, two evenly matched teams. And probably on paper, you're going to say that Collingwood's probably more advanced than Port, playing at home, massive home ground advantage. They, uh, they're becoming the new, the new uh, domain or dominators of the G. Yes. Long gone are the days of Richmond being, it, it's their home ground. It is now officially Collingwood's home ground again. And they'll be very tough to beat. So uh, I'll be picking the pies, and I think you will be too. Yes. So that is uh, the must watch. Pure pleasure. Now, what about the news and storylines? What's the most at stake matches this week for you? Well... We only have to look as far as
1: tonight's game at the MCG, Carlton Geelong. This is this is huge. I know we say this about a lot of games, but... And it is only round two, Nick. It is it's only, only round, round two. But again, we're expecting another big crowd tonight at the MCG. Geelong making that uh, long trek down the highway to the MCG to face another loud and noisy fan base uh, in the Blues. But both teams obviously go into this... Uh, without winning in round one. Blues obviously drawing that game against the Tigers and Geelong losing to Collingwood. But um, yeah, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about these two teams tonight. I will speak in a bit of pre-game, uh, pre-show about uh, about Carlton. I think the jury will be out on them tonight. I, I'm not convinced by their round one performance. I know a lot of people have just written that off as just a bit of round one rust. But... They they weren't impressive. They weren't impressive against Richmond. I know they led for most of the game. I know people will say they could have easily won that game, and yes, it's true. But in terms of the way they controlled that ball in the second half, I think they were very lucky to come away with, with the two points in that one. Yeah, I saw something very interesting uh, early in the day, Gordo. The Blues lost timing forward half by 19 minutes last week. If you do that against Geelong,
0: who love to control the ball, you're going to have a bad night. You- oh, there are so many numbers against Carlton that, that back up your statement there. So obviously, you know, actually close to 20 minutes. The exact number there, 19 minutes and 51 seconds last week. Yeah. Only Brisbane were worse when they got smashed by Port. Yeah. Uh, Carlton got outscored by 40 points from intercept possessions when they played Geelong last year in round 18. The worst differential for the entire season. Uh, they play the slowest style of football, so they only play on from 20% of their marks around the ground. That was the least. So that's less than Ross the boss parked the bus and killed a team. Uh, and they've also lost 12 of the last 14 against a lot. Exactly.
1: Historically, uh, yeah, this matchup just does not yeah. work uh, in the boys' favour at all. And, uh, yeah, I mean... 14 games, how long does that date back to? That's like the last five or six years or something. So it's a long time going back. And even though Geelong were, you know, uncharacteristically bad in that second half against the Pies, um, I think they conceded something around 16 marks inside their defensive 50 last week against Collingwood, uh, which was their their most against uh, since the Melbourne defeat in the prelim in 2021. But... Um, even with Stuart out, I'm still backing them in to rectify a couple of those things. Sam DeConey stays in the team. Radagalia uh, was one of their best spoilers last week. So, yeah, I'm backing in Geelong to actually
0: get the job done tonight against the Blues. So, the big question last week before the round one game was what was the effect of the premiership? Would there be a premiership hangover? Can the veterans, you know, roll up their sleeves and get dirty again? And it was reflected in their fade out last week because, quintessentially, Geelong won the last term 17 times during the home season last year. That was ranked equal first in the league. And they outscored their opponents in the time-on periods of quarters by 14 points, ranked number one as well last mm. year. So they were running out games. They were the fittest. They were the strongest. They were the most determined team all last year. And then they come out and have a, a, a you know, an uncharacteristic fade-out against the Pies. Mm. Is this, you know, they've got their premiership and they're resting on their laurels or just a one, round one blimp or... How you, do you feel about that fade out? Or was it just Collingwood was that good and they didn't have any answers?
1: I think Collingwood were that good, to be honest. Um, again, we spoke about them earlier and how they set up defensively and how they run with the ball when they are attacking. But um, yeah, I, I think from the cat's point of view. Um, again, we spoke about it earlier in the week. They, they had a lot of players there who weren't a hundred percent match fit like Hawkins and Tom Stewart went down early and so did Sam Deconing. So they were short a few men. they, I don't think they should be worrying about winning round one games. They'll be more worried about, you know, making finals, making top four and then peaking at the right time of the season. So I'm not reading too much into their second half drop-off, but they are a proud side. Geelong, they're a proud club. When they don't reach their standards in a game, you can 100% back them in to bounce back. So Carlton be wary of that this week um, and when it comes to scoring as well against the Cats, they're not very good good at it. They, they have trouble breaking down that Geelong defence. I think they've averaged just 57 points against the Cats over the last four or five years so um, yeah, I, I think uh, if, you're, if it was against any other team, I think Geelong will be there for the taking but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not fully convinced with Carlton's performance from last week. I think they might take a while to get
0: their season going yes and the only other stat i can think of that has any relevance to this game now is the fact that geelong is a very you know culturally ingrained system they haven't lost back-to-back games in the home and away season since 2018 that was around 2021 so they always bounce back they reinforce standards they yeah they don't they don't let them slip there's no there's no slump for the cats they're always there or thereabouts and They'll be wanting to improve. They will improve, and they'll do it tonight at the G. My most at stake game is new game styles, who this? So all the (laughs) preseason chat was about these big, tall doggies. All the preseason chat was about how Ross the boss will change St. Kilda. Yep. Now, Ross the boss changed St. Kilda by taking them back to the early 2000s and (laughs) making them play like they did back then. And, you know, you didn't like it, but I I said four points is four points, and he got the four points. Uh, Lob has now gone down. He won't be playing in round two for the dogs. And so now they've committed to this tall style, but they're missing one of the key pillars. And last week it simply didn't work. There was no potency. So despite the fact they had three players get over 30 touches with, you know, Libertore, Trelaw, and McRae, you know, all doing what they do. Absolute stat pigs, helping out your super coach teams. Yeah. There was no real potency. Only, only 40%. So 20 shots from uh, inside fifties from 50 entries. So, they yes again that was against Melbourne a really good defensive outfit but this has been consistently the case for the doggies for the last you know couple of seasons which plays in to all of St Kilda's strengths if they park the bus and I don't see why they wouldn't park the bus because they lost another two players uh, during their game in Fremantle so you know Webster and Patel are now are now out they're even even lower down on stocks so I could see him just parking that bus again they only conceded. From 26 of the opposition's inside 50s, that was ranked yeah. number one in the AFL last week. The doggies are not that potent, so they the St. Kilda can just handle it. Like you just park that bus, you just rebound. This game will go unders, and this will be a low-scoring, terrible game of football that everyone will blow up on Twitter about, and Ross, the boss, will walk out with four more points and two wins. Are you
1: not worried about the Bulldogs having a majority of the possession? Like we saw from Freemantle last no. week, they just... You know they were obviously happy to let Freo have the ball as much as they wanted mm-hmm. until that ball came into the defensive fifty. They intercepted, they spoiled, whatever, got the ball to ground level, bounced off half back, and away they went. But I don't know if it'll be that easy against the Bulldogs. I wouldn't be wanting to leave the ball in the Bond's hands and McRae's and the rest of their midfielder Liberatore and Trelaw. I think they can cause a bit more damage offensively than what Freo can. Obviously, Freo have their own scoring trouble so yeah i i agree with you there is um a lot at stake in this game and we're definitely going to find out a little bit a little bit more against st kilda uh with st kilda and the bulldogs but um yeah I, i'm not i'm not again convinced with this style of play that ross Lyon wants to play i've never been a fan of it 10 years ago and now i think it's outdated and um, yeah, this will be a very interesting watch just to see how, how it will stack up against the modern day team. So We'll be back after a quick break.
0: two stats that really help St Kilda in this case come from the Doggies camp so Bulldogs conceded a mark from 23% of their opponents kicks into their forward 50 last season that's ranked last so they they are not a great defensive unit they've tried to bolster it up with some more tools last week for, uh, St Kilda went 8 and 8 for inside 50 marks just by having 12 fewer uh, inside 50s in Freo so yes they're not going forward but when they do go forward they make a count mm-hmm. and Doggies conceded 50 points from their opposition chains starting in a defensive 50 last round, last week against Melbourne. They went coast to coast all the time. That's exactly how St. Kilda want to play as well. So they've already shown the blueprint to beat the dogs is this Ross Lyons style football. Park the bus, rebound from 50, go and score where the opportunity arises. Is it pretty? Will it win them a premiership? Absolutely not. If they play it, will it get them four points this week? I believe so, we have our first disagreement of the podcast. Okay, no, I like that. I mean, I'm looking forward to a Good, good stat there. And so then everyone's favourite section, fans-eyed view, our clubs games. So, uh, you know, it's the young'uns' first away trip. Are you yes. frightened? Yes, <laughs> I am. Hawthorne's <laughs> playing Sydney, by the way. That's the uh, intro to the, to that's the
1: game. That's it, SCG. It's never a happy hunting ground for a lot of teams when you go to the SCG. But obviously after that... All the talk, like we've seen Damian Barrett this way, Caroline Wilson, um, the list could go on, of people after just just one game this season, people are already saying that Hawthorne are tanking after just one game. And I I don't think as bad as Hawthorne were against the Bombers, Gordo, again, another historically bad performance. I think they recorded the worst pressure factor in the club's history um, since the stat was introduced. But... As bad as that was, I don't think you can be blaming the system of the way the club has operated, such as getting rid of Tom Mitchell and Jay mira You just need to blame the effort. The effort wasn't there. So after you know, a week's training, a few bring your mouth guard sessions this week, I reckon Hawthorne can bounce back. Not, not to the point where they win the
0: game and take the four points, but I'm expecting a more competitive four-quarter effort. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's all you can all you can um, hope for as a Hawks fan this year. You know, you're not tanking, as you've, as everyone said in the media this week, <laughs> but uh, you also didn't compete, and so your pressure factor, the made up number that everyone loves, was only 149 last week, the lowest of any match on record. Uh, I think that means for, for the round, but maybe of all time, who knows? It was bad though. You yeah. just you just didn't compete, and that's the that's the one non negotiable for a team who's Season will be about, you know, competing and developing and and getting in minutes into the youngsters. That's what they need to foster, and there's no better team to do that against than Sydney. It's a very different Hawthorne side, but nice little tidbit to, you know, maybe quash those fears of getting blown out this week is that Sydney has failed to reach 80 points in five of its last six games against Hawthorne at the SCG. So no blowout on the cards here if history is to be your friend.
1: And again, I was going to bring that up too. How many times over the last few years have we... Going into the games featuring Sydney, expecting them to win big, and they haven't. And, I mean, I think it was last year when they played North Melbourne at the SCG, I think they only just won by 11 points. I recall the Gold Coast Suns beating them at the SCG a couple of years ago too when uh, the odds were heavily in the favour of the Swans. So, I don't know. Crazier things have happened. Maybe that's me just being hopeful. But, yeah, after all the talk this week about tanking, wouldn't it be funny if Hawthorne came out
0: and won? Yeah, or even just covered the line of 33 points, you know. That's made it, it. He made an interesting game <laughs> and got within six goals. That's more realistic. <laughs> but I think we're both tipping Sydney for the tip. Uh, mine, obviously, as a Richmond fan, is the banana peel game. There's just, you know, doesn't matter how many premierships you win, there's something triggering about a Tigers fan and watching your team go to Adelaide Oval. Mm. You know, the toss of the coin, the blow of the breeze, that was a different club, that was poor Adelaide, but, you know, even Adelaide last year, uh, in round five, we lost eighty-two to one hundred and one. Tex Walker kicked five goals. Never a happy hunting ground. That being said, Adelaide aren't that good. Adelaide had a chance to uh, put the Giants to the to the sword last week, and they missed that opportunity. They, they didn't get smashed in the second half, but they missed that opportunity to put the Giants away. The Giants showed that, no matter how rusty you are, you can probably beat this side, and that's great positive news for for Richmond because Richmond were super rusty. And the only benefit is I don't think they can be that clunky in attack as they were last week. You yeah. know, you're know, you not going to average. This side will not average in the 20s for inside 50 efficiency week in, week out. 27% yeah. last week, 18 shots from 66 inside uh, 50s. So, you know, they've got everything else is kind of there or thereabouts. 16 tackles inside 50 last week for Richmond shows that they are still got that forward pressure that it can apply. There's, that's meant to be their keystone this year with the new developments to that, that front six. Um however yeah, that that's just that hoodoo. So the the actual stat is Richmond has lost five of its last six matches against Adelaide at Adelaide Oval by mm-hmm. an average margin of forty points. Doesn't make any sense because Adelaide hasn't been that good for a while. Yeah. But uh never a happy place. Are you nervous for Richmond or will you just be tipping and forgetting?
1: No, I think he sums it up well. Banana pill game. Every team has um has their hoodoos and their bogey teams. Adelaide just seems to be that club for the Tigers, but, you know, like I spoke about Carlton earlier being, uh, probably not having that rust. I think it goes a little bit deeper to them being rusty, but Richmond, I think, genuinely were rusty last week. That Their forward 50 um, efficiency, like you said, um, I think that was uncharacteristic. I think they'll bounce back from that. They missed too many shots that they usually nail, too many easy shots, uh, weren't as efficient as they usually are, but I think a positive for the Tigers is that they really dominated the ball last week. I, I, if I was a Richmond fan, I'd be taking that out of the game and going up against Adelaide who, I mean, choked away such a big, they, they led by as much as five or six goals at one point. Um, and they only kicked four goals in the second half and conceded 11 in the process to the giants. Um, I'd, I'd be feeling safer as a Richmond supporter going into this week than I would Adelaide. Um, but that being said, again, the Adelaide Oval Hoodoo
0: could go either way this one. Um, but I'll be backing in the Tigers. I'll be backing in the Tigers too, and uh, you know, get ready for some media hot takes if they do get done. Uh, you know, by that historic average margin of forty points, because yeah. uh, you know, there's the Herald Sun headlines, there's your AFL three hundred and sixty, your SEN talkback. It'll all be very much what's wrong with the Tigers. Dimmer needs to go. Koch needs to go. Dusty's lazy. They'll be all there. Jack Rewalt's too old. Um, I can just see all the scripts there. So let's hope for the sake of creativity and novelty on Monday morning uh, talkback that that is not the case. Speaking of novelty, we have our AFL supercoach guru, Nikki G, across the room from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is one thing that uh, our Super Coaches should take under consideration before round two this week? bringing in the right cash
1: cows. I think that's important. Before prices go up in round three, you've got to make sure you're bringing in the right cash generators. So, rookies, cash cows. One that I'll be highlighting this week is uh, Finn Callahan, but take that with a grain of salt because last season on this segment, I was the bearer of some very bad juju. Um, everyone that I brought up seemed to just have a stinker or get injured, get suspended. So buyer beware, but Finn Callahan, at 244,000 in your midfield, scored over 100 points last week, and Josh Kelly's out of that Giants team this week, so I think uh, Callahan is a safe bet to be getting more midfield minutes and more points, so... Uh, If you don't have him, I'd probably look
0: to bring him in this week. There you go. There is the buyer beware tag, which is a very sensible tag to have. And then (laughs) to round out this episode, we always have our fan-eyed flutters, and that is also a case where you need to have buyer beware. Obviously, you know, set some limits, gamble responsibly. Uh, Everyone knows the rules. And our friends at Sportsbet do, however, have a little uh, second chance same-game multi offer. So basically, you put on a same-game multi. doesn't matter how number of legs, and if it doesn't get up, uh, you get your money back as bonus bets up to the value of $50, and you get one of those per game. Love that. Love that indeed. So I've got three situations here. I'll get rid of the uh, the long ones first. So I've got a five legger for the Brisbane Melbourne game on Friday night. I've got Joe Denner here to kick a goal. Yes. He's only finished goalless once at the Gabba from 21 games. Yeah. So he loves to kick goals at the Gabba. Lockie Neal, I have him for over 25 touches. He averages 32 touches against the Demons. i got Bailey Fritsch to kick a goal. He averages 2.5 against the Lions across his entire career. He's uh, mm-hmm. second most against all opponents. I've got uh, good old CP Christian Petraca, to average uh, to get 25 disposals. He averages 25 against the Lions from his 10 career games there. Again, his second favorite opponent. And each of the last six home games in Brisbane have gone over the match total points. So I'll be taking all those five legs together uh, and getting myself about $5 worth of value. And then we'll roll into the and port Adelaide game. A bit of a simpler one, but also only four legs this case. John Noble tallied 29 disposals last week. He could have been the bolter. And Mm. shout-outs to our our listeners that wanted to hear about the bolters and the faders. Uh, He also gained a career-high 652 metres. I just want him to get 20 So nine less, something, you know, very reasonable for a player in his career development. Uh, Jason Horn france has finished with a career-high 25. I want him to get 20 as well. Uh, Adelaide's last six matches have gone over the total match points line, and I'm expecting a massive shootout. And obviously, Collingwood has won 11 of the last 12 games of the MCG. So Collingwood to win, overs, and Jason and John to get 20 each pays $8, which is very, very tasty. But my most tasty, my most simple is a very simple, roughy pick. St Kilda to win And under The points line In St Kilda Versus the dogs The bus will be parked Ross will be at the bus Saying tickets please Yes He will clip the tickets He will reduce The points scored And St Kilda Will go away With four premiership points and a very, very happy Ross Lyon in a press conference that we can talk about on our Tuesday wrap-up show. That is the end of uh, the weekend watch list brought to you by the Fanside View Podcast. Thank you, Nicky G, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget you can follow all the action in the Footy Lab app over the weekend. And uh, until we talk to you on Tuesday, may your team win, unless your team is playing my team, in which case don't hype us.